on the block on demand. Without Jerry McNamara, we wouldn't have won 10 games this year. Okay? Not 10. Two seconds and one. It's 10 wins in a row for the Crunch. It's the biggest upset in the Carrier Dome in more than 30 years as the Orange hold off the defending national champions. They beat Clemson. The Bills make me want to shout. McCoy in the backfield takes the handoff, runs up the middle, breaks a tackle. He's inside the 10, cuts to the left, into the end zone. Buffalo wins. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Somebody in Vegas told them they were going to win by 20. They'll look at the positive side of things once in a while instead of the negative all the time. This is On the Block. Here's X-Fan. ESPN Radio 97.7, ESPN Radio, Utica, Rome. What's happening, Mohawk Valley? Great to have you on board on 96.5 FM. We were out in Utica yesterday. As always, enjoyed our time in the palatial studios in the landmark building in downtown Utica, Galaxy Headquarters. Utica and had a wonderful time in the Mohawk Valley generally, which I'll tell you a little bit about. I won't bore you to tears of all the details of my 20-year reunion, but I think it's something that a lot of us can relate to, and I'd like to share that story. Yes, Brent's going to get all sappy. How's your Friday going? You ready to do this thing? Let's go. 437-7644, Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We're guest-free today. So you are welcome to be my guest. We've got a number of things to discuss as we go through the afternoon. The latest on the college hoops corruption scandal. We'll do some hot takes. One of my favorite things to do, heading into Derby weekend, the Kentucky Derby is tomorrow, as you know, and, well, there's not a lot of buzz on this year's Kentucky Derby. But nonetheless, it'll be held, and we'll do what we always do. We'll tune in. When it's on, it takes two minutes to watch, and you kind of move on. It's, I love the Kentucky Derby for that way. I don't have to invest. I mean, if you want to watch four hours of pre-race coverage of this, what this horse is doing, what that horse is doing, I mean, I'm not going to judge. I certainly won't be. But I'll tune in about 620 and watch a little bit of the build-up to it. Our boy Mike Tirico will be on the coverage for NBC Sports, and then it's a two-minute race, and then I move on with my life. It's very 2019 of them. We appreciate that. Now, what I do every year, we started this tradition on the show a couple of years ago, And I find it pretty interesting how if you really want to avoid something online, you can, even when you're online, even when you have to be online, on social media, on the Internet that's on computers now in order to do your job, which I have to be. But you can't avoid things if you really want to. So what I have done the past few years is I avoid the names of the horses in the Kentucky Derby for the sake of this show, for the sake of one of my favorite segments to do. Real or fake horse names. So Seth is going to come up with a list of real or fake horse names. And I have to guess if they are in the Kentucky Derby or if you completely made them up. We love doing that. We'll do that later in the show. You're welcome to join the party. As mentioned, at 437-7644. 
Brent Axe Media on Twitter. The text line is 288-0644. We start today with Eric Dungy, and we'll get to that momentarily, and that's something that came up last night. So I just want to share just for a minute or two here, because I wonder how many of you can relate to this in life, because, you know, eventually this little thing happens in life, and it happens to all of us, and it's unavoidable, and it's the one thing we all can relate to. In a world where I'm sure somebody will find some way to disagree with this, even though it's impossible to, we all get older. Oh, what a hot take that is. That's hot. No, we all get older. And time marches on, and there are certain things that do grab you, albeit temporarily, and make you reflect and remember. There's a great quote. I say it often. It's one of my favorite quotes in life. It's not just a funny quote from a movie. It, it There's something real to this, and that is something that Ferris Bueller said, that Matthew Broderick, as, Ma- as Ferris Bueller said in that movie, life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it, right? So there are times when we have to be forced to stop, look, reflect, and then get back into the rat race, if you will. No matter what time will march on, but there are certain days that mean more than others. And I have to tell you that I had an amazing experience last night. As you were listening to the show yesterday, we were in Utica because I was going to a reunion last night. 20 years since I graduated from the mighty Herkimer County Community College and their amazing radio television program, which sadly last night really was the last day of that. They're kind of changing the format. They're changing the structure of it to kind of accommodate what the modern media world is, and that's fine, and that's all well and good, and I'm glad there's still going to be the bones of that radio TV program, over 40 years of of graduates that have gone through there and done that. And you're like, well, why are you talking about a major at a college, at a community college? Like, why, why should I care about that? Well, we all go to reunions. We all go somewhere where it's like someone wrote the movie We all watch these movies of reunions, right? And you say to yourself, either I've been there or, boy, I want to be there. I want my 20-year high school reunion or my whatever reunion it is to be like that, to be fun like that, to share stories and laugh and just there's something about that. And to go back last night and, and talk to so many amazing people that I had not seen for 20 years, but it's like we just walked out of that student radio station yesterday. The great professors at Herkimer, and I'm going to give them a shout-out because they deserve it. Bob Gassman, Cal Sokoloff, Marianne Carroll, God rest his soul, Dave Shampo. Uh, Mr. Flanagan I did not go to college with but did a lot for that program. And I'm, I'm going to Mike Judice, and I'm going to leave some names out here, so I apologize for the names that I left out that have made that school and that program amazing. But when you go back somewhere and you can just walk right back in, and they say the greatest – trigger memory that the thing that gets your memory going is actually smells and that was what was amazing to me walking into that college last night that walk I made so many times in (laughs) I had to go to community college for three years because I'm going to tell you it's because I had mono for a semester and that's true but you're like "Uh uh-huh sure Brent you had mono no I, I really did I had mono for a semester and had to play catch up, and by the time I was done, I I had to go an extra year, which was fine. But it wasn't the walk-in. It wasn't seeing the same things and the same people and a lot of the things that were exactly the same since I walked out. It's amazing how you walk in. It's like, this place smells the same, 
right? Smell triggers memory almost more than anything. That was amazing to me. And if you've ever had that experience, and I've been very lucky, I went to my 20-year high school reunion a couple years back, and that was amazing. And to go to a 20-year college reunion last night, it's something I'll never forget. The stories we shared, we laughed, we cried, we drank a few beverages, and you just, you got to do that as fast as life goes. You can't do it all the time. You can't live in the past. You can't park yourself in the past and fight time because you're going to lose that battle. But there's nothing wrong with taking even just a few hours to remember those times, to savor those times, and to bank those memories. And I got the great fortune to do that last night. So congratulations to everybody at Herkimer on an amazing program that will now change and go forward and Things will evolve as they do, but to see so many people that made that place what it was last night was incredible. And I just hope that whatever reunions you get to go to from here on out, or maybe you've had this experience, I'm sure many of you had, if it's a high school reunion, a work reunion, a a wedding is a great time to do it. Unfortunately, funerals are are times where you catch up with people. But let's, you know, again, I'm getting all philosophical on you here, but I said this to, to the buddies that I was hanging out with last time. Like, we can't just get together like this because of a reunion, because of a, you know, some kind of date. It's, you know, you got to make a point to get together with those that you know and you love and that mean something to you before you do it at a funeral, before you do it on a deathbed, before you do it at a time when you'd rather not to. So I made sure to tell all my professors last night, you know, what they meant to me. And I got to say that to a gentleman who I mentioned earlier, Mr. Champeau, before he passed away, because he was a huge Syracuse fan. And I'd see him at the Dome all the time. So I'll stop there. I I know I'm getting deep and philosophical on you, but, you know, it's just amazing when when you can go to something 20 years later and it's like no time at all has passed. And I, I felt that way last night. And it was cool. And I just hope that everybody gets to experience that at least a few times in their life. Okay, let's move on and talk some sports. So you're telling me Eric Dungy's got a chance. The New York, we were talking about this last night. Some guy comes up to me and you know, listens to the show, and we got into a great discussion about sports. And he's like, wow, what's up with Dungy? And I'm like, well, you know, I'm wondering myself. It could be a medical thing. Who knows? And then two minutes later, I get a notification on my phone. Oh, Eric Dungy signed with the New York Giants. And then we see today that Eric Dungy is listed as a quarterback tight end. So the game's rigged against Dungy from the start here because you're going to slot him at a position he's never played and expect him to play it at the National Football League level. It's not that other people have not made that adjustment and played a position. You know, we've seen basketball players become tight ends, natural ability in athletes that allows them to make that adjustment. Eric Dungy certainly has the body and the frame to play tight end in the NFL, but he's never played it before. And now you're asking him to go through a 90-man roster into a training camp, through the training camp, and make the cut, make a National Football League roster at a position he's never played. Because I look at it this way. No matter the uncertain nature of the NFL draft, okay, it's a giant crapshoot as we all know. I think we all can agree, reasonable minds can agree, that Dave Gettleman, the general manager of your New York football giants, reached on Daniel Jones. To pick him at number six overall is, look, it's gutsy. And that's what they say. Forget the mock drafts. Forget the rankings. 
You go get your guy where you need to get him. System be damned, right? But there was not a line of people based on the circumstances of the draft, the quarterbacks that were out there, the position of need that the teams lined up and say the first 20 picks of the draft were the type of draft it was with the just gluttony of of defensive tackles there. All that considered, though, as it stands right now, he reached for Daniel Jones, a player that, despite his assurances that there were two teams that were going to move up and get him, my response to that would be, who? Because Schefter and many NFL insiders that have the line on this stuff, they're not always right, but in this case I have no reason to doubt them, said that the Redskins were set on Haskins. He was their guy. They were either going to wait it out and take him at 15, which is exactly what happened, or they were going to move up for him. I have a hard time believing the Denver Broncos were laying in wait for Daniel Jones because they would have been more aggressive for him had that been the case. Can he be more aggressive than leaping the six pick and, and Gettleman's holding him off there? Well, no, you can't. Maybe the Broncos were going to take him and say, right, you want him at six, you go right ahead. We'll move on to Drew Locke. Gettleman reached for Jones at six. There's no disputing that. Okay. So because Gettleman reached and moved up to a spot no one expected him to, his relationship with David Cutcliffe, who, of course, has mentored Peyton and Eli Manning, and the similarities there that he wants Daniel Jones to be what the New York Giants that Eli Manning was, even though Jones actually end up could being a better quarterback. When you look at the physical tools, Eli Manning speaks for itself what he's done with the Giants. But you got to upgrade at some point. But they want the same mold. They want the same type of character. They want the same type of prototype, if you will, right? Here's the thing with that. I've said all along, and, and I've, I'm not, I don't get any glee out of this opinion, but I have to look at things objectively. I don't think Eric Dungey's an NFL quarterback. I think he's in this weird purgatory where he doesn't fit what a a typical NFL quarterback should be. I think his injury history works against him. I think his accuracy works against him. I think that his, let's say, habit of making his best plays outside the pocket works against him. I just didn't see a bona fide, true blue, day-in and day-out NFL quarterback, and the early analysis of that holds up because he didn't get on an NFL team until yesterday, six days after the draft was over. But if you're telling me that if you give Daniel Jones and Eric Dungy the same amount of reps, the same amount of film time, the same amount of coaching, the same amount of everything that would be provided the number six pick in the draft, that he couldn't at least have a shot to beat out Daniel Jones. Because I watched Daniel Jones. And while I was impressed with what he was, I by no means feel the same way about Daniel Jones that you would feel about any of the quarterbacks in last year's draft. Like, Eric Dungy's not beating out Josh Allen on a Bills roster. He's not beating out Josh Rosen on then Arizona, now the Miami Dolphins roster. He's not beating out Lamar Jackson. He's not beating out, certainly, Baker Mayfield. So last year's NFL draft class, which I think is going to turn out to be pretty good, and certainly Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold is a way better quarterback than Dungy, in my humble opinion. But if you told me that Dungy and Daniel Jones could get an equal go of it, I mean, I would pick Jones to win. But I don't think that is by no means, to use a horse racing reference, secretariat. That's a photo finish to me. 
But because Gettleman is all in on Jones and reached for Jones and now has to, he has put his tenure as the general manager of the New York football giants on this kid. And we know he loves him. I loved him on film. Absolutely loved him. Loved everything about him. And uh, then I went to the uh, senior bowl. He walked out there and I saw a professional quarterback. After, his, after the three series that I watched, I saw a professional quarterback. So that's when I was in full bloom love. So there's no way that Dungy is going to have even an opportunity to compete with that because they have pushed their chips in the middle of the table with Jones for the foreseeable future. And in the National Football League, that might not be very long. And Josh Rosen is a prime example of that. The Cardinals traded to get him last year and then Kyler Murray came along and they said, oh, it's like that meme with that guy who's walking with one girl, but then he looks at the other and the other girl's like, ugh, right? So we know how cutthroat and how impatient the NFL can be. So can Dungy make the New York Giants? Is tight end the best position for him to pursue? Because we always brought up the Taysom Hill example. Well, he can be Taysom Hill. He can do what he did for New Orleans. There's some differences there because Taysom Hill runs back kicks for New Orleans. He's an ace on special teams. How much uh, kick returning did Eric Dungeon do here? He doesn't have the same speed as Taysom Hill, who runs a 4-4-40. So he gets put on an NFL roster, and you understand Eric Dungeon would do. He said all the right things. When even though all it takes is a passing glance at this thing to know that Certainly, he didn't want to play another position. It took him four extra days to get on a team because I don't know the details of it, and who knows if we'll get the details on it at all. But if initially he was willing to play another position and and try things out and just be flexible, I just want to play football, Jerry, then he would have been on a roster four days ago. Why it took a little longer to get there I mean, I'm only speculating at this point, but I think it was he probably had to get out of the mind frame of, I want to play quarterback. But you're telling me that his path to stick in the NFL is to play a position he's never played? Isn't that funny how football works? Isn't that funny how professional sports works sometimes? I would love to see him get an even crack at Daniel Jones. Put aside where he was drafted, status, Gettleman's love affair with him, just put those two on the field and give them equal reps and see who wins. Because I would give Dungy a shot. Not necessarily to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, but I think he's better than that guy. But he's not going to get that shot. He the, ga- the game is rigged from the start. Let's break on that note. We'll come back with more, including some final thoughts on this college hoops corruption trial that we've been discussing through the week. We'll go on the blind side, real or fake, Kentucky Derby horses. We got so much to do. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Happy Friday, everybody. This is On the Block with Brent Axe. Welcome back. Sometimes I feel I've got to uh, uh. run away. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Happy Friday, kids. Derby weekend. Playoffs continue. Yeah, baseball's around. Baseball's like, yeah, we're still here. Yep. Still doing our thing. 
lot of uh, let me let me rephrase that. Not a lot of buzz with the Kentucky Derby. Now, maybe that's my fault because for this segment that we do that we're going to do next hour has become a bit of a tradition on this show. Real or fake horse names, which I heard a rumor that another show on this radio station stole today. Do I have to copyright these things? Do I have to make sure that people on my own radio station don't steal my bits? That's my deal. Okay? Okay? Tommy Gunn, Tommy Hogan, producer of some other show on this radio station, Orange Nation, took from me. Oh, I will not. I, I will forgive, but I don't forget, Tommy. But I've done it. I have managed to avoid, and I've got another half hour to ruin this, but I've managed to avoid any horse name in the Kentucky Derby this year. Because I like to play that that game, wheel or fake horse names in the Derby. But put that aside, is it me or is – I can't remember in the last – not that I'm a huge horse racing guy, so I don't want to overstate this, but there are years where you anticipate the Derby all week. Maybe there's a big horse. People are saying it could be the next Triple Crown winner, and we're just all into it. And then there's other years like, oh, yeah, the Derby's tomorrow. That was me today. I'm like, oh, yeah, the Derby, that's tomorrow. And it's always right around my my, uh, happy birthday to my lovely bride on Sunday. A little early birthday shout-out to Mrs. Axe. So the Derby's always right around my wife's birthday, and my daughter has her dance recital every uh, Derby Saturday pretty much every year. So it always kind of hits me, but... I literally didn't even think about it until like 2.30 this afternoon. I'm like, oh, hey, Seth, let's do that real or fake horse name thing. Which apparently was done earlier today on this station. You thieves! We've got a hot one for you. Oh, you're hot. Why, thank you. So are you. And I'm not afraid to cry. So hot. So hot. Man, it's hot. How hot is it? It's so hot, I poured McDonald's coffee in my lap to cool off. (laughs) It's time for Hot Takes on the Block. Tom Brady's got jokes, kids. Appearing on Jimmy Kimmel Live out in Los Angeles, he turned to humor when asked about not being among the NFL's highest-paid quarterbacks, which was appropriate considering who was conducting the interview. Quote, I think the thing I've always felt for me in my life Winning has been a priority, and my wife makes a lot of money. I'm a little smarter than you think. Now, he was joking when he said that, but then got a little more serious and said this on Jimmy Kimmel, quote, actually, it's the salary cap, and you can only spend so much. The more one guy gets, it's less for others. For a competitive advantage standpoint, I like to get a lot of good players around me. Brader, uh, do I have to say this? Brady, uh, the only player in NFL history with six Super Bowl rings, Enters the last year of his contract in 2019. He's scheduled to earn $14 million this year with a chance to add about another million in roster bonuses. Now, he last signed an extension a couple of years back, March of 2016. That included $41 million in new money. As part of that extension, Brady got a $28 million signing bonus. Now, look at the quarterback signings recently, including Russell Wilson, who signed a four-year, $140 million extension in April That includes a $65 million signing bonus. Look, I can't add anything to the Brady lore that hasn't already been said, but the fact that we're discussing Tom Brady, last year of his contract, having to extend that, the money he makes, he's not the highest-paid quarterback, and he's going to be 43 this year on the field. 
as if that's normal. You know, I brought that up in the prior segment about things that should not be normal in life, but just kind of have become. That's Tom Brady. Just plugging away. Like, we've just given up on Tom Brady retiring. I think we're just all assuming he's going to play till he's 50 at this point. I love the crack, though, because when you think about it, yeah, Giselle actually makes more money than he does. Giselle, uh, can we look that up? How much money does... I'll Let's see. I'm going to Google that while we're speaking. What is Giselle Boonchin? Let's see. Now, assuming this is true, and it's the Internet, so it must be true, Giselle Boonchins, am I saying that right? Estimated net worth, take a guess. Just take a guess in your head. Supermodel extraordinaire. And isn't she retired now? Like, she retired from modeling before Brady retired from football. Her net worth is $400 million. The net worth of Tom Brady, add up all the contracts, and if he gets another one, this will obviously increase, but still will not touch Giselle Buchin. Tom Brady's net worth $180 million. Total combined wealth, $580 million, and please move on from this. That's hot. Before I throw up in my mouth. Ah, some people just live the life, don't they? Celtics Bucks back underway tonight. I can't wait to watch this series because what you know what Celtics Bucks has been about, and I know this is bad for controversy and hot takes and first take. That's hot. Certainly has not been happy about this. Stephen A must be pulling his hair out because there's just not a lot to talk about in the series other than, you know, basketball. I'm serious. But that's just it. Take a guess who's gonna win this thing. Because both teams have dominated a game. It's a split. You got a team that won on the road. Giannis is always going to show up and have Giannis-like games. Kyrie Irving can always kick it into gear. Thankfully, and I hope I'm not jinxing this, but the officials have not been too big of an issue in this series. But this makes me circle back to something. Remember like a month ago when people looked at the Celtics and said, that is a tire fire, and how could they in any way stay in contention? to be one of the top teams in the East. There was a lot of brewing tension on that team. They couldn't find the right starting five. Brad Stevens was started to be questioned as the boy genius coach that he is. Kyrie was all but out. And look, people still discuss that. Kyrie is just kind of serving his time, and then he's going to do what NBA teams, or pardon me, NBA players do these days, spend two years somewhere, move on, and try and build their own super team somewhere, which I don't uh, you know, knock them for. This is America. If you can go somewhere and do that, then go somewhere and do that. I'd actually be intrigued to see Durant and Irving go to the Knicks and if the Knicks somehow luck out and get the number one pick. Because that James Dolan guy, he could use a few breaks in life. But I would be intrigued to see that. Because I know a lot of Knicks fans, and I just think the the sports world, let alone the NBA, is more interesting when the Knicks are interesting. Because they haven't been interesting for a decade. So I'd love to see that, but for now... How did this Celtics team write that ship? And I think it's just a matter of it's a long season. But the patterns just kept forming. They were good enough to get by. They were good enough in the East. They were certainly a team that, on paper, was always a contender in the most wide-open East in the NBA that we've seen in years because a guy named LeBron James is now on the West, and LeBron James is not even in these playoffs. So that opens it up even more on both sides. 
But this Celtics Bucks series at the heart of it has just been about great basketball, making adjustments. The Celtics did a great job against Giannis in game one and game two. He found a way. Kyrie Irving can always kick it into gear. And then those little things you look for, the coaching matchups, and it's just been, been about basketball. That's it. That's it. But the Rockets and Warriors play again tomorrow, and while they took a night off from all the nonsense, can they sustain that? Can they keep that going? Has everybody got it out of their system? Any more memos that the Rockets want to file with the league about how official? Well, we have calculated that official calls have cost us approximately 17.2 points. Therefore, we should have been to the NBA Finals last year, and we have calculated carried the two. E equals MC squared. Stop it! You missed 27 three-pointers against the Warriors in that game. So can the Rockets-Warriors take a take a cue from Celtics-Bucks? And can we just keep it about basketball? Meanwhile, over on the hockey side of things... That's hot. Now, I admittedly didn't watch last night because I was at, at my reunion at Herkimer having a blast with the crew, but the Bruins beat the Blue Jackets 4-1. to The Avalanche got back and made that a 2-2 series with a 3-0 win over the Sharks. Hockey ratings are up. You know, we joke around about how much people care about ratings, and I think it's interesting, and I'm biased because I work in the industry and I study this stuff, and I I like to see the trends. But People do like to hear this stuff, like, okay, well, I'm watching. Are other people watching this? And, like, for example, the NBA ratings are down 15%. How much of that is LeBron? I say a good part of it is because he draws – the biggest general audience of anybody, not only in the NBA, but in sports, other than Tiger Woods. But Tiger Woods only you know, pops up four times a year when people really care. It's quite another thing when you've got how many NBA playoff games and one player anchors it. The hockey playoffs have actually been up, either even or up. The trend is positive. Now, I was curious if that would continue because the pens are out. So Sidney Crosby's gone. The defending Stanley Cup champions are out. So Ovechkin's out. The Lightning came in with one of the greatest regular seasons ever seen in professional sports, and they got swept, which is a great story. But the thing with upsets is they fade quicker. We love upsets in the NCAA tournament, and if a George Mason or a Loyola Chicago or one of these teams we love to root for can make it into the deeper rounds, then we like that. But you don't make your, you know, I don't want to say you don't make your money. That's not the right way to put it. But viewership is drawn from familiarity. Viewership is drawn from the teams you know, the players you know, and star power. So hockey's been good so far because the reaction to those upsets and what we've seen in the unexpected hockey has been great. But if the Canes win tonight, that puts the Carolina Hurricanes in the Eastern Conference Finals, and if the Columbus Blue Jackets can knock the Bruins off, and there's you know that series is tied at two, so we're at least going six there. Carolina Columbus in the Eastern Conference Finals. You think you know NBC executives and Gary Bettman are like, oh yeah, we're oh, we're cool with that. Oh, we could sell the hell out of that. No, they are quaking in their boots. You know we have somebody who works here who used to work at NBC Sports. I should go talk to her about this. Like, Come on, give me the dirt. What do they really think about this stuff? The Stars and Blues are playing tonight. I love hockey. I love the playoffs. Am I going to go out and watch that game? No, because I don't really think I have to. So the trend is up now, but there's, to me, nothing left in the NHL playoffs that can sustain that. 
This is kind of for diehards only from here on out. There's not to say there's anything wrong with the sport there. It's just kind of the reality of how a general audience that has more options than ever watches sports these days. Let's break on that note. We'll come back with more, including Eric Dungy. The game's rigged, kids. I love that he's with the New York Giants, but they want him to play what position? Stay right there. You're on the block, ESPN Radio. Thank you. Bye-bye.